Welcome back to Franchise Festival, where we go in-depth with noteworthy video game series from the last 40 years. For Season 3, we've been alternating monthly between the catalog of Indie Studios Supergiant and highlights of Sega's Sonic the Hedgehog. You can follow us on Twitter at Franchise underscore Fest, write to us at FranchiseFestival at gmail.com, and support us at Patreon.com slash FranchiseFestival. Patrons get a bonus episode each month, the full archive of past bonus shows, and the opportunity to vote on future episode topics. The latest bonus episode at the time of recording is Sonic Mania, and the next one will be our best of 2023 games list. So be sure to join the Patreon if you want to listen in. As for us, we're your hosts, Chris, Spencer, and I'm Hamilton. And this time we're going to be wrapping up season three with a conversation about what we've covered this season. Hamilton and I have settled our blood feud, so we're willing to appear on the podcast together once again. <laughs> we have. I've been wondering business. if anybody's like, do they dislike each other? Like, right. Are they, they are they like, are they in hiding? Is this a Beatles circa 1968 situation? <laughs> our king, our kingdoms have come to a compromise. <laughs> we, we've resolved it all. <laughs> Spencer, what's your uh, what's the best of Supergiant this season for you? Uh, I mean, the lazy answer is Hades. Um, mm-hmm. I've played hundreds of hours of it. I love it. I think it is, you know, the Supergiant formula distilled into its absolute best, at least mm-hmm. thus far. Yeah. I do want to kind of draw some attention to Pyre, though, because that's, mm-hmm. um, how do I put it, most improved? Yeah. In terms of, you know... The original playthrough of the games, I liked Bastion and Transistor so much more, but I feel like those games have weirdly not aged quite as well. And mm-hmm. maybe it's just, you know, the fact that I went into Pyre with such low expectations, but I enjoyed that tremendously this time. So. Do you ever think about how cool it would be to get a version of Pyre on Switch that, like, you had the story mode, but then you also had some kind of, like, multiplayer component or roguelike mode where you could just play those matches? Because I feel like both the story component would work well on Switch as, like, a halfway visual novel, and the gameplay would work well as, like, a constantly coming back kind of uh, treadmill on Switch. I mean, I'm a sucker for roguelikes, and Supergiant yeah. has, you know, proven that they're good at that, so I think that could be a lot of fun. You know, you start with a pretty bare-bones team, and as you go, you get new relics, upgrades, recruit team members. That could be fun. I'd play that. Yeah. I wonder if they'll ever revisit the idea. They seem pretty passionate about Pyre, even if the wider world was a little iffy. Yeah. How about you, Hamilton? What's your favorite core game that we covered this season out of the uh, the four Sonic games we covered? I feel like no one's going to be surprised, but Sonic 3 and Knuckles. It's the clear answer. It's, it's literally the clear answer. It's one of the greatest side-scrolling games ever made. It's, oh my god. And again, the fact that I replayed it um, all these years later... 
and still got such a hoot out of playing it. Enjoyed every second of it. I'm like, all right, solid. Chris has the hard job because he has to presumably pick one from both franchises. Mm -hmm. I thought about just giving one for each, but that is kind of a cheat. So we're between, for me, we're between Sonic 3 and Knuckles and Transistor. Mm -hmm. So since Hamilton already said Sonic 3 and Knuckles, I will go to bat for Transistor as just one of the best games of the 2010s. I think it's beautiful. I think it's very sad. But not in a, like, weep in your beer sort of way. You know, it's it's sad in a poetic way. It's, it's sad in the same way as, like, a romantic poet wrote sad stuff that you also felt uplifted by. I don't know. I, that 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 is really my favorite Supergiant game, and replaying them all really cemented that. I think there's stuff to recommend about every Supergiant game, which I, I can't say for Sonic. But Hades was diminished intensely in my replay of it. I found it... As we talked about on the episode, uh, uh, pretty challenging, whereas Transistor only got better on replay. I think playing it this time was my favorite of the three or four times that I've revisited it. It's just, it's a, a strange Art Nouveau masterpiece. What about the least favorite core game that we covered this season? Hamilton, What what's the least favorite of the four Sonic games that we covered for you? Hmm. What were the ones that we played? Sonic 3... And Knuckles. We played uh, Sonic 3 and Knuckles. We played Sonic Adventure 2 with special guest Rosalie, who was wonderful. Mm-hmm. We played Sonic Generations and we played Sonic Frontiers. Huh. Yeah, you skipped all the infamously terrible ones. I know. <laughs> it does make it harder, doesn't it? It's like, it actually is really, a really, really difficult decision. Maybe Sonic Adventure 2? Mm-hmm. I guess for the same reasoning that any natural human being would dislike it because of just the sheer amount of glitches and terrible voice acting. I mean, I like it for those reasons. Yeah, it it is genuinely one of my favorite facts about that game that characters regularly cut each other off. Yeah, I love it for how terrible it is. What about you, Spencer? Oh, it hurts me to say this, but probably Bastion. Mm-hmm. I think that one has probably aged the worst. Um, yeah. It's still, like, really interesting, but the combat is really slow and stiff, you know, particularly through the lens of the stuff that Supergiant has made since. If it was the only thing that they made, it would be incredible, but because we've seen what they evolved into, it it diminishes it in retrospect. Yeah. It's also the one that I've played through the moat, well... Not counting Hades, because that's kind of got like a perpetual game element to it. But right, right. You know, I'd only played through Transistor once before. I had never made it through Pyre previously to recording, but I'd played through Bastion a few times. So, you know, every repetition of it, it wears off the shine a little bit. Yeah. So taking that into account and its age, it was just it's probably my least likely to revisit again. That makes sense. Yeah. My least favorite that we covered was Sonic Adventure 2 by A Country Mile. That is legitimately one of the worst games that I've played in recent memory. Uh, not having played it when it came out. Uh, and and very much apologies to our special guest, Rosalie, who is not here to talk <laughs> about the game's virtues at this moment. But you can go back and listen to our episode to find out what they are. I was genuinely miserable from start to finish playing that game. <laughs> the, the camera's bad. The character's movement is bad. The story is bad. The cutscenes are bad. Shadow the Hedgehog was an improvement on Sonic Adventure 2 for me. 
Dang. Which is as damning an indictment as one can offer about a game, I think. <laughs> that is. I've got to fess up and say I have not listened to your Sonic Adventure 2 episode yet. What? Disloyalty, yeah. Spencer. Ah, I know. I'm the worst. <laughs> but my memory is that that game goes down a lot smoother if you don't look at it l- like a, a Sonic game and look at it like a Chow Garden game and the Sonic levels are just a vehicle to farm more materials for your Chows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've heard this. But as a person with no access to a Dreamcast VMU, I can't really get the proper Chow Garden experience anyway, can I? I played it on the GameCube. Was there something weird with how it was implemented on the Dreamcast versus the GameCube? Yeah, you remember those little, uh, like, those memory cards that they had for the Dreamcast that had a visual component? They were like little mini Tamagotchis? Yeah, it had like a little, like, mm-hmm. uh, like screen, and there was like a hole in yep. the middle of the controller yep. and the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could do like a Tamagotchi thing with your channels. Mm-hmm. It was still better on the GameCube, though. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really sloppy on the uh, Dreamcast. I am not a uh, I am not a Chow Garden fan. Uh, in the same way that I'm not a Stardew Valley fan, I just you know I I, I can't cultivate. I can't uh, raise. That's just not in my blood. You see. <laughs> you know, Spencer. Though it occurs to me, we didn't have you on the Sonic Adventure Two episode. Give us give us your tight five on Sonic Adventure Two. Uh, well, so this is hindsight from when I played it back in the day on the GameCube. I haven't really... The best way to play it. I can't stress enough. The best way is to have played it 20 years ago and not recently. <laughs> My memory is spending a ridiculous amount of time in the Chow Gardens. Mm-hmm. Sonic and Shadow levels are fun, so I played a lot of those levels to get materials. Mm-hmm. The Tails and Robotnik levels are not fun, but are bearable. Mm-hmm. The Knuckles and Rouge levels are... The most horrible thing Sega has ever produced. Man, you want to be disgusted with me, Spencer, is I enjoyed the Knuckles and Rouge levels more than the Robotnik and Tails levels. Which is funny, because I I don't know. I also hated, I have to agree with Spencer, I loathed the Knuckles Rouge levels. I was like, God, let this end. The camera just seems so much better designed for a character that moved slowly than a character that moved fast. But it's so I was like, at least, at least in these stages, I'm not jumping to my death every three seconds. You know? It's just so boring. It is boring. But in my defense, <laughs> the entire game is boring. Hey, Sonic and Shadow levels are not boring. If you like jumping off to your death every two seconds, then yes, I agree. <laughs> no, Sonic Adventure 2, there's a lot to recommend about it. it. It has a good reputation for good reasons. A lot of folks love it. Uh, again, Hamilton, you and Rosalie made a really good case for it on the episode, so I'm not going to disparage that. Don't let me, <laughs> don't let me color this with my nostalgia here. I know the game's bad. It was bad the day it came out. It's rough. But I like it for that reason. I like the idea of the 3D Sonic world and how they tried. Yeah, yeah I do too. Yeah, I do too. I, you know, and, and I loved Sonic Frontiers. Right, but to say to play the game, I don't know. I, I like I like our listeners. I'm not going to tell you to play it. I could see a remake of Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure 2 really tightening up some of the problems mm-hmm. and keeping intact what was uh, what was nice about it. They should. Someday.
Let's talk about noteworthy bonus shows that we did this season. Uh, these were uh, patron-only, so uh, you know, uh, regular listeners may not have encountered them yet. But I, I thought it would be interesting to get kind of your favorite and least favorite bonus shows that we did. So, Spencer, what, what was your favorite and least favorite of the bonus things that we covered? I mean, my favorite's Hollow Knight. Um, sure. That is an indie game Hall of Famer. And I think you'd probably be hard pressed to find someone that disagreed with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hollow Knight is just incredible. And allegedly, there's a sequel coming. It's often been said. <laughs> yeah. It's been said release was imminent for about three years. Right. Yeah. So kind of a no brainer for least favorite, probably to the moon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean that I really enjoyed that when it came out. It's like an RPG maker game. It's old. It's really unfun to play through. The narrative's kind of neat, but, you know, having played it once before already, I already knew what the narrative was. So there was Mm -hmm. not a ton to get from it other than you know critiquing its take on autism with 2023 eyes yeah doesn't (laughs) age well yeah yeah that's just art you know yeah what about you hamilton what was your uh, favorite and least favorite bonus show that we did in the sonic context now i'm trying to remember well i mean my least is obvious but what are the other bonus ones that we did Sonic Mania. What did we do? We did Knuckles Chaotix. We did. Oh, Lord. I know. That's right. Uh, Shadow the Hedgehog. We did Sonic Generations 3DS. And then we did Sonic Mania, which peek behind the curtain listeners. We recorded just before this. It's a rare two recordings in one day scenario. Well, I'd say the best is Sonic Mania. Yeah. By far. But honestly, I'd Mm -hmm. say the worst. Damn. I'm going to. I'm going to blow my own mind. I'm going to say Knuckles Chaotix. Yeah. I hate that game. (laughs) I I strongly dislike Sonic or Shadow the Hedgehog. I strongly dislike it, but I like, I kind of like it for the same reasons I like the train wreck that is a Sonic Adventure series. Yeah, like Sonic Generations 3DS is a finished game, whatever its flaws. Right, and it's still finished. You can still play through it. I mean, it wasn't bad. It wasn't as interesting, but it wasn't bad. But so- Knuckles Chaotix is, it plays like a root canal and is about as just as painful. <laughs> it's boring. The controls are awful. The level design is awful. I hate that stupid ring uh, that connects the two players together. Yep. It's like imbecilic. Uh-huh. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my least favorite. You know what, guys? I liked Knuckles Chaotix more than To the Moon. <laughs> Which is hard to say. But, (laughs) gosh, like, Knuckles Chaotix, when I tapped a button, the character did what I wanted them to, which I could not say for To the Moon. (laughs) Like, To the Moon, I played on Switch, and it was beset with all of these weird technical problems where, like, sometimes the buttons wouldn't do what I was expecting. And it's a professional release, you know? I I understand that it's an indie thing, so you don't want to get too, um, too fussy, but whoever ported it to Switch did a, a fairly rough job, if I'm being honest. Hmm. And Knuckles Chaotix, it's also over in two hours. <laughs> like, it's it's not great, but it's done quickly. I love games where, like, so what's the positive about this game? Oh, it ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as far as favorite, that's... Gosh, I'd like to say that it's tough, 
we played a number of really good games. Shovel Knight's great. Um, Short Hike is great. I had a lot of affection for Shadow the Hedgehog, which I was surprised by. And Sonic Mania, obviously, is excellent. At least as far as I'm concerned. But Hollow Knight stands a cut above. Hollow Knight is just simply one of the best games ever made. Like, if I was compiling a top ten of games that I could just always have accessible, Hollow Knight would be on it. It's, uh, it outdoes Metroid at its own game. It's just, it's extraordinary. Uh, everybody should play it and then listen to our episode on it. <laughs> Now, I wanted to uh, get both of your takes on the series that you didn't primarily cover this season. So I was hoping to get Hamilton's take on Supergiant games, at least as far as Hades is concerned. Uh, Hamilton, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you've only played Hades. I think I've only played Hades. And I wanted to get Spencer's take on Sonic. So uh, let's see. Hamilton. Give me your uh, your tight five on Supergiant, at least as far as uh, your experience having played Hades. You know, I don't know if I'd be doing myself any favors by giving it like a legit, because it's been a while since I played it. And it also feels unfair to put you on the spot with this <laughs> for there being like three games before Hades. <laughs> so, you know, uh, listeners, take this with a grain of salt. I'm going to say, I mean, not just a grain of salt, take this with a whole factory, like... <laughs> I just remember it not being my play style. Exactly, yeah. But, sorry to kind of stop it there, but I, it's just not fair enough unless I play it recently, so I can re- remember why. Because I don't want to judge it. Yeah, I think we talked about it, I want to say, on our 2020... It was a while ago. ...year in review episode. yeah. It's weird that we've been doing this for three years, I guess. Almost four. Just saying we're podcast veterans. Yeah, darn right. Just keep festivaling. But yeah, yeah. No, to be (laughs) fair, I just remember it not being my style. And if I picked it up and played it a bit through, it would probably catch up with me. But as of right now, I just don't know enough and I don't want to unfairly rate it. Yeah, that's legit. What about you, Spencer? What's your uh, take on Sonic the Hedgehog? Sonic's a weird one. Uh, I was a Sega kid, and I love the Genesis games. You know, I think they are really, you know, good 2D platformers, and I think they are still perfectly fun. And I'm a big fan of Sonic Mania because I think it, you know, really captures and modernizes the fun aspects of those old games in a really nice way. Mm -hmm. But there's a good, what? 20 years in between those two things where they failed to make a single good Sonic game. <laughs> so given that, I mean, I don't know. That's a pretty big net negative in terms of Sonic. Uh, that's true. You ever check out Sonic Generations? No, I've heard good things, but that's closer to like the Sonic Mania kind of. It's era, true. Right? It's uh, 2011, I want to mm. say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The 2000s were a, a rough they patch. They were a long string. Weirdly enough, we didn't cover any Sonic Advance games on our show. 
and those were pretty good. Mm-hmm. But they consistently lost patron polls, if memory serves. I was a little curious about those, because I know they're 2D platformers, which is mm-hmm. what the format that I think Sonic kind of fits best. Yeah. But I don't know a single person that has ever owned or played a Sonic Advance game. Spencer, you were talking to two people. <laughs> you were talking to two people who have played, like, every Sonic Advance game. <laughs> I know more people that have owned and played the Game Gear Sonic game. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's a travesty. I honestly don't even know anyone that played the Sonic Gear games. Or not many. Here's my fun fact. Did you did you all know that the at least the first Sonic Game Gear game also came out on the Sega Master System, but was better on there because the screen was wider? Yes, I did know this I somehow. I did not know that. No. Pretty pretty weird. Yeah, pretty weird. <laughs> uh, I wish they had included that version in the Sonic Origins collection, but you can't always get what you want. <laughs> I think there's something to that, Spencer, broadly, with the assessment of 2000 Sonic, but I will go to bat for Sonic Advance. Uh, I played those games maybe back in 2018 or so. Mm-hmm. I hadn't played them before that. And they hold up really well. I wish they were more easily accessible. They're uh, they're very similar to the Genesis games, but have uh, a little bit more functionality. Like you have Amy Rose in there who can hit things with her hammer. But the the drawback is that they have uh, developer Dimp's obsession with bottomless pits. Yeah, as we uh, as we talked about on our Sonic Generations 3DS episode. Uh, Dimps just loves a bottomless pit. So, <laughs> double-edged sword. I'd go to bat for Sonic Rush as well. Not the second one, but the first one. Yeah, I have that sitting uh, in my library right now. I gotta, gotta boot it up. I think it's all right. So this is a this is an odd question here, but I just wanted to to kind of open the floor for this one. Do we see any similarities between Sonic the Hedgehog and Supergiant? Our two topics this season. Not really. I mean, outside of uh, Sonic Chronicles: The Dark Brotherhood, which I've never <laughs> played, uh, they're pretty. You know, Sonic's pretty firmly in the realm of platformer, which is a genre that Supergiant's never really touched. Mm-hmm. Um. Part of me would be really excited to see a super giant platformer, but you know the attempts at something resembling platforming that do pop up from time to time in their games are pretty bad. So I don't, yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah, like I'm thinking of the jumping in Bastion, right? Ugh. Yeah, I mean the engine's obviously not built for that, right? right? So maybe if they set out with the intention of making good platforming, I'd put my trust in them. But yeah, I don't know. It's struggling to find some overlap there. Yeah, it's a stretch. I think the the capital S is the biggest thing. Yeah. What about you, uh, Hamilton? You got any got any uh, insight on the 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 uh, middle part of the Venn diagram that connects Sonic and Supergiant? 
Not even. I mean, as he said, maybe with Sonic Chronicles, probably one of the worst games ever invented, just period. <laughs> Not even Sonic and he- the Hedgehog reason. Uh, maybe Sonic 3D Blast, which is also a terrible game. Oh, Sonic 3D Blast is from the same perspective as a lot of Sonic, uh, as a lot of Supergiant games. Uh, I would say that's about where the similarities start and stop. So let's talk about the future of Sonic and Supergiant. To start with, I'd like to go with Supergiant, and I'd like to contextualize this with a listener question from Dave Jackson of the Tales from the Backlog podcast, who asks uh, if we're disappointed about Supergiant pivoting to a sequel in Hades 2. Spencer, you got anything to say about that? I do. I'm not disappointed in that. Mm -hmm. The fact that they did such different games every time was sort of part of their charm. But I think Hades really fit what they did, you know, as a genre and like how the game was structured, fit what they did best in a way mm-hmm. that the others didn't. Yeah. Also, and this is somewhat speculative because obviously at time of recording, early access is not out yet. There's not a right, lot of info right. on it yet. But it seems like... Hades 2 is going to focus a little more on the cast system, Mm -hmm. which I think is going to be really good. Because in Hades, when you look at the different weapons, you know, between the uh, different aspects you can unlock, the boons you can get throughout the run, and then the Daedalus hammers, you know, you can end up with really fundamentally different and interesting ways that a run with a weapon plays through. But, you know, the cast... It's a very simple projectile that travels straight. And the only way to really modify that outside of like uh, weapon upgrades that cause the weapon to interact with casts is just boons that will just change the type of projectile and what status effect it inflicts. So if you were to add the same level of complexity to casts in Hades 2 that like the weapons had in Hades 1... I think that opens up a whole nother like cool layer of run customization. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah, like I'm I'm really excited for that. I'm a believer that you shouldn't set expectations too high because then you're only setting yourself up for disappointment, but it's hard not to be. I love Hades to death and <laughs> the what I think is probably the shallowest aspect of that game seems to be what they are looking on expanding in Hades 2 and I can't imagine that's going to be anything other than fantastic. And as a bummer counterpoint to uh, Spencer's positive take on Hades 2, yes, I am disappointed about Supergiant pivoting to a sequel. Um, I really like that they did an entirely different universe with each game. And I'm, I'm a little bit torn on this because I'm happy for them that they can kind of camp out in the same universe and develop it. Uh, It'll be cool to see what they come up with as refinements because we've never seen refinements in universe in a uh, in a super giant game. So it'll be interesting to see. But also Hades produced so much friction for me. Like I I I enjoyed it back in uh, whenever it came out. I want to say 2020. Um, I I really enjoyed playing it, but in playing it for the show, as listeners will recall, I had a really hard time with it, and I'm not excited to revisit that world. I'm also a little bit bummed that they're revisiting Greek mythology when their previous three games created these really interesting cosmologies of their own, 
And this is just Greek mythology again. So, superficially at least, I'm disappointed. More substantially, I imagine they'll turn out an even better game than the original Hades, because Supergiant are masters at what they do. So, yeah, the verdict's still out. Hamilton, what about your take on the future of Sonic? Well, I will have to admit that um, the introduction of Sonic Frontiers has lifted a rather large, dark cloud above my head in terms of where Sonic goes. I mean, there's only but so much I can, like, vouch for Sonic games because, again, I know that the vast majority of them are pretty bad. Like, me playing... I can't say that I honestly enjoyed a lot of Sonic games, but I enjoy them because... I grew up with it, and I'm easy, you know, it's easier for me to kind of ignore the faults to the point where I can enjoy it, or watch it, but, like, not enough where I'd ever, like, recommend to someone. I don't even think when I first played Sonic, uh, like, Adventure 2, when I was a kid, I'd be like, oh man, you've got to play this game. I don't think so. (laughs) But, you know, with the introduction of Sonic Generations, where they're kind of, I think, showing the right way a uh, 3D adventure can go made me kind of excited for its potential. Frontiers is definitely a big step in the right direction. I think that the future of Sonic will be more 3D-based. I know that a lot of people yeah. really don't like the 3D. They want it to stick to the 2D, and that's fair. I just think that the 2D is just going to run out of potential eventually. Like, with the Sonic Mania, like I agree that it's good. Um... But some of the levels I don't particularly like. I don't know if it's just the wackiness of back in the day. You know, like Sega came out with like Dynamite Heady and Vector Man and all these <laughs> weird titles. It was wackiness that our youngster selves could like enjoy in a 2D platformer. I just don't know how it's going to translate nowadays. Yeah, I actually agree. The... Uh... Uh, Takashi Azuka said in a recent interview that they were looking at, um, you know, really strictly using polygonal characters for future Sonic games, unlike sprite-based characters. Mm-hmm. And if I'm being honest, I don't think that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Sprite-based graphics and that sort of thing are good for, like, niche enthusiasts and old-timers and, and that sort of thing like us. Yes. But I... And, you know, listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, but I broadly don't think younger players are into that sort of thing. Yeah. And I don't think it's wrong. You know, it, it's like uh, like there are still people that record big band music, like from the 40s. And there are people mm-hmm. that record uh, <laughs> like 60s style folk music. And there are people that record old school rap style music in the, the, the mm-hmm. 2020s. But that's primarily for either a niche or older audience. Right. And if you want to to kind of keep folks interested in it, and if you want to keep evolving and moving forward, you need to change how it is. Right. So I'd be inclined to agree with Sega's calculus on it. I, I think emphasizing the 3D and the polygonal characters is probably the way to capture younger folks now. I think so, too. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, doing, again, the Sonic Manias where... Right. You know, you can't please everyone all the time, but you can please some of the people some of the time. I mean, it does pull on our nostalgia strings to play it. It's neat once in a while. And it's neat once in a while. But, you know, video games, expectations, things change. People adapt, people grow, and unfortunately, well, 
fortunately slash unfortunately with the the graphics becoming now almost like human realistic the expectation of games nowadays are going to change as well the only thing is like with mario for instance Mario can get get away with both 2D and 3D because, well, one, they just have better... (laughs) There are better teams operating it, just to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Folks stay at Nintendo. Nintendo broadly offers pretty good insurance packages for its team. It pays people pretty well. Folks stick around at Nintendo. Right. Like, they don't don't rush the things. They rushed a lot of Sonic stuff, which honestly destroyed many of their titles. Right. I think the best case right now is to... I hate to say it, but the older people, the older generation like us, the, you know, the Sonic Manias are kind of of the past now. I think it's more productive to look towards the higher graphics, do more of the Sonic Frontiers, and get the hybrid of the 3D and 2D. Yeah, and if uh, if there's another Sonic Mania, that sort of thing, I think it would probably be a riff on Sonic Adventure. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's young folks who came up with that, who were nostalgic for the early 2000s. Which I am not nostalgic for as a person born in the 80s. Right. But there are a lot of folks who are nostalgic for it. So, you know, suit their interests, you know. You always have to make room for new folks coming up. Exactly. So that's my opinion on the future or what I think would be best for the future of Sonic. We can make it Mm -hmm. work. We just have to understand that we old now. (laughs) Gotta move a little bit with head with the times. I just had a crazy thought, Chris. Yeah. There's a Sonic uh, racing game, right? Yeah, Sonic. Uh, there's several. Uh, All-Stars Racing Transformed is supposed to be the really good one. How would you feel about a super giant kart racer? Oh, I'd be behind that 100%. <laughs> um, I think kart racers are a really good way to leverage a lot of wacky characters into a setting where they shouldn't belong together and make it fun. I would also be in support of a super giant Smash Brothers game. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> And that's that for our coverage of Supergiant and Sonic the Hedgehog. We hope you've enjoyed listening and encourage you to come back next season. To that end, we're happy to announce that Franchise Festival Season 4 will be covering Mega Man starting in January 2024. Woo! We'll be working our way through the core series of 11 classic side-scrollers while also covering spin-off series like Mega Man X and Mega Man Zero as well as adaptations like TV shows and comics in our bonus episodes. To get access to that bonus material and have the chance to vote on which topics we cover, consider backing us at patreon.com slash franchise festival. If you have any suggestions, you can also drop us a line on Twitter using the handle at franchise underscore fest or email us at franchisefestival at gmail.com. As for us, we're your hosts, Chris, Spencer, and I'm Hamilton. Thanks for listening, folks. Goodbye.